0: Thank you.
1: to another edition of the TDN Writer's Room Podcast. It's May 2nd, Kentucky Derby Week at 2.25 Eastern Time in the afternoon here on the East Coast. My name is Bill Finley. I'm a correspondent for the Thoroughbred Daily News. And I'm also the co-host of the Down the Stretch show on Sirius XM Radio with Dave Johnson.
2: I am Randy Moss with NBC Sports at 2.25 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. I am ensconced in a, a very dismal-looking room in a production trailer behind the Churchill Downs grandstand, where we are obviously preparing for our Friday and Saturday telecasts.
3: Randy, you should just move your head one way or the other, because it looks like so- There we go. <laughs> you like what?
4: Yeah. You like my artwork?
3: I didn't know you were an artist. Well, well done. All right, I'm Zoe Cadman with First Racing, Santanita, and XBTV. Tailgate is over. Doodle has his cone off, so I just wanted him to say hi. And now
1: hey.
3: He's gonna exit
1: stage left. Let's get into it. I'm excited. Gang, it's Kentucky Derby Week, and I thought the best way to go, let's go over the whole field from one to twenty. Um, I don't think we need to worry about the also-eligibles, but last year we needed to worry about them because Strike came in off that list to win. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to go down horse for horse, give us some thoughts, some handicapping thoughts. Do you like the horse? Do you don't like the horse? Um, Et cetera. So let's go in post-position order and start off with Hit Show, second in the Wood Memorial. And I think the theme for Hit Show and anything else coming out of the Wood Memorial, like Lord Miles, it's going to be the same theme that we've talked about on the show uh several times is that the wood memorial was not a strong race it has not been a strong race for years and um it's hard to take a horse out of that race even though i thought he ran very well in there to finish second by a nose uh, manny franco will ride him back in the kentucky derby he's 0 for four in the derby and he's got the one post now i don't think the one post is nearly a big a disadvantage as it used to be before they got that 20 horse starting gate so I'm not going to throw him out because he's the one, but I will throw him out because I just don't think he's good enough. Yeah,
2: I, I don't think the one hole is is nearly the disadvantage uh, that it used to be. And frankly, I thought that it wasn't as big a disadvantage in the past as some people were trying to make it out to be. Um, and it doesn't necessarily bother me that. The Wood Memorial has such a, a dismal record since Funnyside in 2003. What bothers me more than that is that this year's Wood Memorial looked like a very weak running uh, with three horses, you know, right on the wire together, just heads and noses apart. Hit show to my eye was solidly the best of the three that hit the wire together, even though he finished second, beating a nose by Lord Miles. Uh, the figure came up slow. Uh, brad Cox continues to be high on hit show uh, he thinks hit show has got just about as good of a chance for example as angel of empire uh also in his barn who was a runaway winner of the arkansas Derby but i can't, i can't see it i you know i i respect the horse and i respect brad but uh based on what i see on paper he's a 40 to one shot and deservedly so
3: And that's like trying to pick your favorite child. He's not going to pick one over the other. He's playing trainer talk there, Andy. He's not going to say this one's better than that one. That's not going to happen. Uh, The one hole, eight for 93, uh, as far as records go back. The last horse to win out of the one hole was Ferdinand in 1986. I'm not opposed to the one hole. It's the shortest way around. Is hit show good enough? Probably not. He's a little been a little bit keen in his works there at Churchill Downs, which from the one hole has me a little bit guarded. He's gonna have to watch himself going into the first turn, and Manny Franco's gonna have to try and work out a trip for Hitcher.
1: Number two is verifying, also from the Brad Cox barn. If you like Tappet Trice, which I do, he will be my pick uh, when we get to him. You have to you can't dislike verifying. He ran a very good race against him last time out. Losing by a neck, I think Tapit Trice is is more likely to improve off that race uh, than Verifying in the Bluegrass. But uh, again, I he ran second, beaten only a neck by the horse that I think is going to win the Kentucky Derby. So I absolutely um, you know have to be on board with this horse. And and the, the thing about Brad Cox that I like and and go back to Hit Show, he has improved buyer numbers every single race. Verifying not quite the same pattern. But I think Brad Cox is doing an excellent job and continues to do an excellent job of getting these horses through the preps and getting them to peak when they come in for the for the big day. So um he won't be on top of my tickets, but I certainly respect him. Uh Tyler Gaffleone will ride. He's 0 for five in the Derby. Best finish for Tyler, even though he's the top rider at Churchill Downs now, was seventh in 2019 with War of Will. So that is my take on verifying.
2: Yeah, Zoe, you want to alternate here? I took a hit show first. Why don't you take verifying first? I
3: like verifying. Um, The two positions, seven for 93, the last horse to win from it was the Great Affirmed back in 1997. This is a horse who's been on my radar since Saratoga last year, watching him work. He's a good work horse. His breeze over the track was very good, 59 and two. Didn't really look like he was doing anything, so that's a big plus for me. I think he's got the right, running style and I I don't think the distance being by Justify out of well I mean out of a repent man that's not the best thing but Justify is definitely going to help him get the mile and a quarter and you know how there's sometimes just some horses that stick with you and you can't think why verifying is one of them so he's definitely going on my ticket
2: yeah I I, th- I think he is definitely in my opinion a top four horse in the Kentucky Derby I didn't necessarily like his post position draw for his running style he's he was going to have to be you know used a little bit anyway because he's a forwardly placed horse to begin with but I think he's now going to have to be used a little bit more than he was originally going to be from post position number two by Tyler Gafflingon. I don't think they necessarily want to be on the early lead though so if they can just get a good position in the run to the first turn and then find a spot to flip out and stalk a little bit off the rail. I mean, I think that's what they're looking for. Loved his bounce back race in the bluegrass. And uh, I think he's definitely an A-list contender. And I've come around to thinking that I think I like verifying better than any of Cox's uh, four horses that he has in the Derby.
1: Interesting. That means you like him better than Angel of Empire. Number three is Two-Phils. He's the most, uh, to me, puzzling or perplexing horse in, in the race. We talked about it before. Uh, he runs this terrific race in the Jeff Ruby Stakes, Stakes, which is what I'm insisting on calling it. Gets the 101 buyer, the best figure of any uh, buyer, uh, buyer figure of anybody in the field. But you have to, again, answer this question. Was it the synthetic? Uh, because he was not nearly as good on the dirt before. He was okay, but he got beat by Angel of Empire, got beat by Instant Coffee, the Risen Star, and the LeCompte. Or is he just uh, a horse that is, is, came into his own in that race? I tend to think it's more the latter uh, in there. First of all, um, on the thoroughgraph sheets, they give you um, uh, figures on the sires so far as uh, how they do on synthetic versus dirt. He's by Hard Spun. Uh, the uh, Austrian of Hard Spun win 15% of the time on synthetic and 16% of the time on dirt. So there's no difference there. Um, so there's nothing in his pedigree that says he shouldn't like the dirt. And you know, Larry Ravelli also is an interesting character in this race. He is really good. He's over his career, won 25%. I mean, that's Chad Brown, Bob Baffert land, who have won 25%, but but hasn't had a lot of chances with uh, top flight horses. Uh, but he has won 11 uh, graded stakes races. I think he's a very live horse. Um, I think he can actually win this race. He's not my pick. But um, I'm not going to uh, label him just a synthetic freak. I, I think this horse is pretty.
2: Yeah, there's a simple question that you have to answer when you're handicapping two fills to decide if you want to use him in the derby or not. And that is simply how much of his last start was synthetic and how much of it would be, could be classified as standard three-year-old improvement. Uh, three races back in the Lecomte, he had a beautiful trip, made the lead at the eighth pole, and then instant coffee blew him away in the final furlong. In his last race, he had a really good trip, made a super move turning for home and then Angel of Empire, and Sun Thunder outfinished him in the final furlong. And Sun Thunder is going to be 60-70 to 1 in the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Then he steps into the Jeff Ruby and runs a much improved race. Logically, that would tell you that it had to do with the change of surface more than anything else. But we don't know. It's a guessing game. You know, Larry Rovelli doesn't know. Jareth Loveberry doesn't know. It's, it's a total guess as to how much of it had to do with synthetic. My experience, most cases like this, it's it's a function of the synthetic, the switch to the synthetic surface. So that's why I'm not using two fills. But would I be shocked if he wins the Kentucky Derby? No. Uh,
3: I'm right with you there. I'm rooting for Larry Ravelli. Um, I rode for him at Hawthorne. This horse comes in from Hawthorne, that really fly the fly, comes in with a bullet work at Hawthorne. Now, the track at Hawthorne right now is very glib. Um, I would have liked to have, to have a work over Churchill. He's, he's run over Churchill and he's run well, but I don't think he's kind of gotten over a deep track this year. The fairgrounds isn't a terribly deep track. I think he skipped across the top of the ground at Turfway Park over the synthetic there, and he's a big, heavy horse. He's super easy to train. He does everything you want. But he's not going to do anything more than you ask him. So, I mean, that 59 work was good, but I'm not sure it really got to the bottom of him. And is he good enough over the main track at Churchill? I don't know. I am rooting for Larry, but I'm not going to use two fills on my ticket. Oh, five for 93, that post position, by the way. Epicenter was second out of it last year. And Real Quiet was the last one to win in 98.
1: Number four is confidence game. And after the race, Keith Desarmo is either going to look like a genius, a little bit of a dummy to be uh, practic- uh, practical about this. He's everything he's done with his horses is, is unorthodox. The 10 week layoff after he won the rebel, the one mile workout. I see today on Tuesday, he didn't even, the horse didn't even go to the track. You know, what do you make of all that? I'm not going to throw him out because of any of those things. I think Keith Zormo knows what he's doing, and if he thinks this is the right way to get the horse for his best race, um, I, I have faith in him. I'm gonna throw I don't think he's good enough. Um, you know, he got clobbered in the Lacomp by instant coffee and, and two fills and uh had never really run any kind of decent number for that. Then came into the Rebel. It was a sloppy track. Maybe he just loved the mud that day. Um, you know, I gotta see more from him than just that one good race in the Rebel, because prior to that he he really was not a top flight um, Kentucky Derby candidate. But, um, boy, if if he wins this, we'll see everybody coming in off 10 and 11-week layoffs next year. So we'll see.
3: Have you met Keith DeSormo? I mean, he goes by the beat of his own drum, and it it beats, like, wherever it feels like it. Keith just does whatever he feels is right by the horse. The 10 weeks doesn't bother me. The mile work out of the gate, I like for him because – that was his race. According to Keith, he had a few days off. If you gallop for Keith in the morning, you got the best job on the backside because you get two or three days off a week. He doesn't train his horses every day. He believes in having them fit. And that's what's happened with confidence came, coming in. Uh, his work over the track pricked my ears. I haven't seen a horse work that well over the Churchill Down surface in a very, very long time. And if you don't believe me, we're going to show it just a little bit later on for the XBTV work of the week. I like confidence game off of that. If you think 10 weeks between starts is a problem, think back to 10 weeks ago, Bill, when you didn't like Trees, and he made a huge jump forward in the bluegrass. If confidence game can make that kind of jump forward, perhaps he's the horse
2: uh look I'm a big fan of Keith DeSormo uh, I think he's one of if not the most underrated trainer in America given the results that he gets with horses that as we've talked about in the past you know that are not exactly you know sales toppers over the years um and I think this horse looks like a million dollars right now I mean he looks so good on the racetrack and as Zoe pointed out he's you know when we've seen him train he's trained pretty well I have two major problems though with confidence game uh first of all I don't think he's good enough uh the Rebel has come up even though the fig was okay it was on a sloppy track and it the form of the Rebel hasn't really held up Red Root one who finished second behind confidence game came back did not run very well in the Arkansas Derby looks like he's talented talent limited uh actually uh with uh, reincarnate in his trip in the Rebel, finishing third, he looked like easily the best horse in the race. And given everything that happened to him, he was only beaten a couple in a, a two and a half lengths by confidence game. So I don't like the Rebel, period. Second problem with it. If Keith DeSarmo had come out after the Rebel and he had said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I think this is best for the horse. I'm going to give this horse 10 weeks off and I'm going to point for the Kentucky Derby. And I don't care about the 10-week layoff. This is my plan. I'm going to march to the beat of my own drum. That's what I'm going to do. No, that's not what happened, right? He comes out of the Rebel stakes, and and Keith is a straight shooting guy, but he's got owners, and he's got the media to deal with. And he says, okay, the horse, the Rebel knocked him for a loop and really took a lot more out of him than I thought. That was the official line. We may make the Arkansas Derby. We may not. But if we don't make the Arkansas Derby, there's the bluegrass. So he misses the Arkansas Derby. Then the bluegrass comes up and he said well we're not going to make the bluegrass we'll go for the lexington okay then the lexington comes up well we're not going to run the lexington we're going to train him up to the kentucky derby there's i promise you there's something going on here more than just the horse was knocked for a loop coming out of the rebel they're they're dealing with some stuff with confidence game i don't know for a fact but it, you can just read between the lines keith is not going to run a horse that's not sound But I think his training has been compromised between the Rebel and now to the point that, you know, given the Rebel stakes and what I feel about that, put that on top of it. And I can't like confidence game no matter how good he looks right now.
1: All right. Move on now to Tap Trice, number five, who is the second choice in the morning line. Todd Pletcher has the two. Uh, favorites in the morning line. Um, people have been listening to the show the last couple of weeks know that that I'm. This is my pick. We're going to have Andy Buyer on a little bit later as the Green Group guest of the week. And what he said that he looks for a horse that is going to peak in the Derby, that is improving, getting better. And I completely concur with that. Uh, I. It's funny. It, it Zoe reminds me. I didn't like his Tampa Bay Derby one bit. Now all the, ten weeks later, eight weeks later, whatever. So I'm, I'm picking the horse. Because he was a much different horse than the Bluegrass. And you know you see the big price tag, the 1.3 million, see by Tappet, um, you know Todd Fletcher, trainer, despite the two for 62, I'm not ever gonna throw out a Todd Fletcher horse in the Derby because of that. I just think it's more circumstances than anything else. I think this horse has run one of the best races of anybody in the field. And he's the one I'm most confident in that is going to run even better in the Derby. I'm a little bit worried about the pace, uh, we haven't talked about that yet. It, I don't think it's going to be particularly fast. Uh, he is going to be back 16th, 15th, 14th early on. Uh, I, Randy, I know you have some reservations about kind of his lack of nimbleness, and, and he's not really a quick horse, and we'll hear more about that. But uh, I'm on Tappet Trice to win Kentucky Derby.
2: Okay. Hey, Look, I think Tappet Trice and another horse that I'll talk about later uh, that, that, uh, that Zoe oh. wants to take a drink to
1: <laughs> are the –
2: are the two best horses in the Kentucky Derby. I think, uh, I and mean, I'll just say, Dermasodegake, okay. I, go ahead and take a sip there, Zoe, there you go. <laughs>
1: yeah, all right,
2: okay. Game. It's our new drinking game. Every time I mention Dermasodegake, Zoe takes a sip of whatever it is in her red cup there. I hope it's something really good and not water. Um, then look, Tappet Trice's Bluegrass and Dermasodegake's UAE Derby, my opinion, were the two best prep races of all. Cap and Trice, you watch him come, you know, buzz around here in the mornings at Churchill Downs. He looks sensational. He looks so good, right? He's training great. Uh, he's got all the talent in the world. But we know from the Bluegrass and from watching him in all of his other races, first of all, he doesn't break from the gate. He's a little better in the Bluegrass, but he still breaks a little slowly. With the pace, expected kind of slowish pace in the derby, that doesn't help him. We saw in the bluegrass going into the first turn he reacted very badly when horses started to crowd him from the outside it was as if he felt he was going to be pushed into the rail and got a little claustrophobic it was either that or dirt hitting him and either either one is not necessarily good when you've drawn a sort of an inside post in a 20 horse kentucky derby field he's not the kind of horse i think who can be in the middle of the pack and can get stopped in traffic and reboot and quickly regain his best stride. So I think the only alternative to Tapit Trice is that somehow they're going to have to work his work their way to the outside, and then they're going to have to hope they don't get caught six wide because you got 20 horses in the Kentucky Derby without a fast pace and they're going to be kind of bunched up. So I think all that works against Tapit Trice. Uh, I want to get down on him right now on the Belmont Stakes. But even though I think he's the best horse or one of the two best horses in the Kentucky Derby, I just don't see it setting up well for him. Zoe, what do you think?
3: Everything you said and more. He does have a good post, though. I will say that much. 10 for 93, the last winner was always dreaming in 2017. Audible was third out of that post. So he has the winningest post in Kentucky Derby history. Which is a big plus. I'm just not getting the right vibe for him. Seeing him on the track at Churchill Downs, and I even spoke to uh, Mike Welch about it. uh, Terrific. I mean, a big thumbs up from him. It just depends if Louis Sayers can work out a trip for him where he doesn't get stopped.
1: Randy, one thing I totally agree with you. If he doesn't win the Derby, he's going to finish fifth. Then he's going to be a cinch in the (laughs) Belmont. I mean, uh, because you know that's so much of, of, of Pletcher's MO. Okay, speaking of Pletcher. Gone now to number six, Kings Barnes. And I'll repeat what I said uh, last week. This is my non 50 to one shot that I don't like one bit. And uh, Louisiana Derby, you know, he just stole the race. Uh, the fractions are uh, 24 and three, 49 and three, 114 and three. Now, honestly, I don't think the pace is going to be particularly fast uh, in the Derby. Uh, and he might go right to the lead again, but he's not going to get to the lead in 49 and three. Kind of a completely different trip and you know you take out the louisiana derby before that 85 buyer winning a tampa bay downs allowance race um flobby and pratt wisely i think went to angel of empire but uh, on, uh, and interestingly he's the only undefeated horse in the race since 1915 34 undefeated horses have run in the derby nine have won the latest being justified but this is no Justify. um i see him being a pace factor early and fading to finish mid-pack, something like
3: that. I mean, he's, he's three for three. I did actually like his race in the Louisiana Derby. I don't think it was a particularly strong race, although a lot of people are liking Disarm of his recent works going into the Kentucky Derby. I will say one thing. Pratt, after he got off him, said he gave him a really, really good feel. Like, the final time wasn't the fastest, but he did say he had a lot of horse. I know he's riding Angel of Empire, but that... That is a plus for me for King's Barnes. Am I gonna use him? I'm not gonna use him, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him run a little bit better than most people will give him credit for.
2: This is, King's Barnes is a classic example of the challenge of handicapping the modern day Kentucky Derby when horses have so little experience as a whole. Sources only run three times. If, If it was 30 years ago, we would have seen King's Barnes in multiple graded stakes. We would know how good Kings Barnes is when he doesn't have the benefit of a soft early pace uh, and he doesn't have a race gifted to him like he had in the Louisiana Derby. We would just know a lot more. We'd have a lot more evidence about Kings Barnes. Now we're just left to guess. Right. It's just a guessing game. Todd Pletcher doesn't know. Jose Ortiz, I mean, Flabby and Pratt, who wrote him last time, doesn't know how capable the source is going to be in the Kentucky Derby with a different kind of trip. Uh, he may stalk the pace in the Derby and then hit the top of the stretch and draw away, you know, I mean, but all we have to go on is what we've seen. And he got such a soft trip in the Louisiana Derby that he is the kind of horse that is a classic, you know, bet against type horse if he's not going to get the same trip
1: Saturday and he's not, but you don't know. It's, it's really challenging. Number seven is Reincarnate, trained by Tim Yakteen. started uh, the year in the Bob Baffert Stable. And remember when Baffert seemed to have every single horse there was in California? He had um, all four starters in the Robert Lewis. This is the only survivor of that. So uh, Tim Yakteen has taken over. It's not officially Bob Baffert, but the uh, the Baffert Stable has has uh, not had a strong performance uh, with the horses coming out of the Baffert Stable. Uh, you remember back when Arabian Night was all the rage, and, and we haven't seen him in quite some time. Uh, Randy, I think uh, you and I both really liked what we saw from him in the Rebel, where he had a lot of trouble. He closed well, finished third, and he comes into the Arkansas Derby. And I think that uh, the comment line in the form sums it up perfectly. Empty. He was empty. He just didn't have it. He was right there in in striking position, and he just didn't have it. um, It was not a good race. It's not a good race to come into the Kentucky Derby off of. Don't like him.
2: Yeah, his last three races, it's like he's three different horses. He runs in the sham, he goes 45 and change, he goes 109 and change on the front end, sets the pace, dogged determination, refuses to lose, comes back in the Rebel, breaks poorly from way back in the pack, closes nicely to finish second, and then he gets a stalking trip in the Arkansas Derby and comes up empty. Off his last workout and off his sham stakes earlier and with John Velazquez in the saddle, I'm expecting reincarnate to show a lot of speed. Wouldn't be surprised at all if Johnny tries to put him on the early lead, given the relative lack of pace. I think he'll be right up there, but off of his Arkansas Derby, uh, I agree with Bill. I don't like him at all.
3: Yeah, and his last work was here on Friday at Santa Anita. Tim sending out a horse in front, the big wham. Uh, that was worked in 49 and change, but interestingly enough, uh, reincarnate hooked up with a Baffett runner. And went to the wire with him in 46-2, and surpassing his actual workmate, the Big Wham. So he went head and head with Mr. Fisk, who's trained by Baffert. Well, I mean, you could say he's trained by Tim because he ran in the San Felipe last time out. So it was a very good, sharp work. So I agree with Randy in the fact that he is going to be part of the early pace. And I will say one thing. He may be a little one-paced, I think. But he can keep it going he's he's a big horse he stands over a lot of ground and it wouldn't surprise me to see him in the hunt at the top of the lane is he good enough to win i, I don't know but i think he'll be around at the quarter
2: yeah. one more thing to add about reincarnate if uh you know th- there's always a point counterpoint on all these and none of us really like reincarnate that much but john velasquez does say that in his opinion his effort in the Arkansas Derby was compromised by the weather in Southern California and the fact that he didn't, according to Vasquez, his training pattern, as were all the horses out there at that time, was interrupted prior to the Arkansas Derby. He thinks that's why he came up short. I asked Yakteen about that. Tim said, I don't really like to make excuses or anything. I said, well, could it be a plausible explanation? And he said, yeah, it's, it's possible that that could be the explanation.
1: So just keep that in mind. Number eight is Mage, and uh, when we were uh, dissecting the Florida Derby afterwards, both Randy and Zoe were just raving about this horse, and for good reason. Uh, he ran a heck of a race in the Florida Derby. Uh, I mean, he got uh, off poorly, wound up twelfth in the field early, dead last, closed well, ran by Forte. Forte. I, I don't. Gonna, there's going to be a little debate later on in the show about how you pronounce that horse. I'm, he's Forte to me, but stay tuned. You'll you'll understand. What I'm, I'm saying about that. Um, he ran right by Forte and looked like he was going to win the race, and Forte had another gear and came and got him. He's dangerous. Th- there's no doubt about it. Um, he is also, like King's Barn, so lightly raced, three lifetime starts, began his career on January 28th. And I think, Randy, maybe you'd say the same thing, kind of guessing a little bit about him. I, I mean, is he as I, I think you, you can't make the case that he's better than Forte because he's lost to him two in a row but uh this is a dangerous horse he's a good horse uh looks like he's getting better and his florida derby was really good
3: i'm not using him he's just making his fourth start i think he's lacking a little bit of experience in here his florida derby was excellent i will give you that much i'm not sold on his ability to go a mile and a quarter i mean puka we don't know how good the dam was puka she won by i don't know 20 in her debut she was a very, very good Philly indeed, and she's by Big Brown who won the Derby. So maybe I'm going to be eating my words, but um, I can't talk you off him, but I'm not going to go with Mage in the Kentucky Derby.
2: His uh, Florida Derby, I thought, was an outstanding effort uh, until he got to the 8th pole. The last furlong for Mage in the Florida Derby was something like 13-3. and three. It was very weak. Uh, a very weak closing effort you can maybe make the case some people are that Luis Saez moved too soon and that's why the horse came up empty but Saez is a regular at Gulfstream Park races are every day won at Gulfstream on the dirt because of the short stretch by riders that make moves a little bit earlier than you would on a normal racing surface so I think Saez you know when he when he flew by Forte At the 516s ball you know he was confident that he was going to win i didn't like the way the horse finished up in that race so at a mile and a quarter it gives me a little bit of a cause for concern i also don't like the fact that in three races he's broken poorly three times and if that happens in the kentucky derby who knows if it's going to or not but if it happens in the derby then it's uh it's not good
3: the tdm writers room is brought to you by keeneland home of the world's yearling sale The energy, magic, and momentum of the Keeneland September Yearling Sale returns September the 11th through the 23rd. Learn more at theworldsyearlingsale.com. We'll be right back after this message from Keeneland.
4: If this place could talk, it would roar. It would say, this is a reset this beating heart in the heart of horse country, steady and strong beneath the roar, reminding us why, for the love of the horse, for generations to come. Maximum security proves he's the real deal with a gate to wire whip derby
0: champion three-year-old
4: maximum security has won the tvg.com haskell invitational
2: 11 triple digit bias.
4: maximum security he
2: smoked them in the cigar mile
0: grade one winning four-year-old
2: maximum security takes them all the
0: way in the tvg pacific classic secure your mayor's future maximum security
3: The TDN Writer's Room is brought to you by Coolmore. In winning the Grade 2 Santa Maria stakes on Sunday, Adair Manor becomes the latest of Uncle Mo's impressive winners in 2023. The four-year-old filly set the pace and went on to win easily by four and three-quarter lengths. Uncle Mo's eight stakes winners and four graded stakes winners are the second best among all North American stallions this year. They are led by Grade 1 winner... Amore or Amore, Uncle Mo was the sire of nine seven-figure two-year-olds at the recently concluded OBS April Sale, including not one, but two at six hundred and seventy-five thousand.
1: All right, let's pick things up now with the nine-horse Skinner trained by John Sheriffs. Some interesting uh, jockey situations here. The the Victor Espinosa has won three Kentucky Derbies, yet they took him off to ride Juan Hernandez, who's not only never. Ridden in the Kentucky Derby. He's never ridden in his entire career at Churchill Downs, but I have no problem with the jockey switch. Hernandez is just a magician. And, and the way that he's been going out at Santa Anita, I can really see uh, why they wanted him aboard this horse. Um, he's, he's kind of a little bit of a wise guy horse. I don't think he's going to be a huge uh, price. Uh, I mean, he's not going to be 30 to 1, one of those kind of horses. But maybe in the 15, 18 to 1. Um, I'm going to use him on my tickets uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, First of all, I have a lot of respect for John Sheriffs and the way he brings horses around. You know, he's patient. He takes his time. And here's another horse that looks like he's progressing. Uh, He couldn't get out of his own way last year. And then uh, Sheriffs brought him back and he won that maiden race in February. Good race in the San Felipe. Good race in the Santa Anita Derby. Can he step up and move up another three or four lengths is probably what it's going to take. Another three or four buyer points, probably what it's going to take. But I just see this as another horse. That's got the uh, potential uh, to do that. Um, he was third in the San Diego, uh, San Anita Derby. Giacomo, uh, who lit up the tote board for sheriffs way back when, was fourth in the San Anita Derby. Skinner was third in the San Felipe, and Giacomo was second in San Felipe. So you have the angle of John Sheriff's horses coming up a little bit short in the preps at San Anita. And um, not that I like Giacomo one bit that day but uh he, he came through in one so it just goes to show you what sheriffs can do Look, if
2: uh I think Skinner's in with a with a with a nice shot I really do and it's I love the fact that he drew into the race because he deserves to be in the Kentucky Derby field uh rating the prep races I've already told you that I thought K one Tappet Trice two in terms of you know how fast they ran and how impressive they were uh I would actually just off the preps I would put Skinner three and 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 verifying four. Uh, he was wide in the San Anita Derby and yet still was you know right there. You could make the case on ground loss alone that he was maybe the best horse in the San Anita Derby. I like the jockey change because Victor Espinoza, uh, as with all the success he's had, was making no effort at all to save any kind of ground on Skinner at any point of any of the races that he rode it. Now. I have some of the same concerns about Skinner that I have with Tapitrice is he the kind of horse that can uh avoid being six or seven wide and maneuver his way through traffic and maybe have to wait every now and then and then regain his, his stride and be the kind of stop and go handy type horse that it often takes to come from behind him when the Derby that's my primary concern about Skinner. And that's why I'm not using him in this race in my
3: day. I think he's this year's Giacomo. I really do. Uh, distance, not going to be a problem. I don't know who actually came to the final decision to take off Victor Espinosa, who was five wide on both turns last time out. I don't know if it was Lee Searing or if it was trainer John Sheriffs. I know John wasn't overly pleased with the ride he got from him last time. Victor just two wins from 35 mounts this year. J.J. Hernandez, he's won 60 races this year and leading rider by double the amount of his nearest pursuer, who was Flavian Pratt. So I'm fine with the rider change there on Skinner. He's bike Carlin. He's out of winding way. I mean, he's bred to run a mile and a half, got a decent post position, four for 89. I, I can't talk you off of Skinner moving forward. And let's just not forget. Sheriff's was fourth with Gormley just a few years ago. I think we all forgot about that. I didn't think he had any shot. Sheriff's still kicking himself for training that horse the morning of the race because he was so worried he wouldn't be able to get the tack on him later because he was a little punk. Um, he thinks he he kind of took the vim and vigor out of him and he ran fourth. So he said he's definitely not going to train him the morning of the race this year, Skinner, for sure. So I can't talk you off of Skinner if you like him. I really can't.
1: Number 10 is Practical Move from breeder Chad Brown. How about that? That's been one of the stories. Uh, You know, he has earned the right to be called the best horse on the West Coast. Wins the Low South Futurity, wins the San Felipe, wins the Santa Anita Derby. Ramon Vasquez aboard both times. He's ridden once in the Derby in 2015, finished 13th Mr. Z. But here's my problem with this horse. In his last two starts, he could not have had better trips. They were almost identical. I mean, Ramon Vasquez has done a tremendous job on this horse. He saved ground in both, uh, on both turns in both races, got through on the inside, and was able to prevail. So, you know, should I like a horse coming into the Kentucky Derby off perfect trips, whereas it's almost impossible to get a perfect trip unless you're Sonny Leon on Rich Strike in the Kentucky Derby? So, I, I mean, I wouldn't be at all shocked at this horse won, but just from a handicapping standpoint i can't you know really jump on the bandwagon of a horse who's especially as when the san india derby was uh you know came came after just again a brilliant ride and a great trip so that's my knock on him
3: i like him um by practical joke out of an athlete alex mayor i think maybe he's hit the lead a little bit too soon in each of his starts and perhaps idles a little bit. He's gonna have to work out a good trip under Ramon Vasquez, who's only ridden in the Kentucky Derby once, I believe. He might have finished 12th or 13th for Mr. Z for Dwayne Lucas. The post is nine for eighty-six. Giacomo actually funnily enough was the last horse to win from that post position. He's tactical. Just take a look at him. He's a big horse who stands over an awful lot of ground. The RG Baji of the Derby's not gonna do him any problems at all and he he acquiesces very nicely you can put him just about any anywhere in the race so i like practical move I'm here for tim yak team
2: uh yeah, maybe famous last words from me but uh you know bill i'm with you uh zoe will have the glory all by herself a practical move wins the kentucky derby and not because i don't think he's a good horse not because i'd be shocked if he wins but just like you said bill i mean this is the kind of horse that is a handicapper you sort of I like to try to take a stand against because it's not just the San Antonio Derby San Felipe even though Sal Futurity had an inside trip and got through along the rail all the way around uh, and he's that's not going to happen almost certainly not going to happen in the Kentucky Derby so uh one other thing to mention about the California horses that John Sheriffs mentioned to me this morning on the backside that I thought was kind of interesting that you just may want to you know put in your pipe or whatever just think about it uh Sheriff said He thinks that the California horses in general running at Churchill Downs this weekend are going to love the surface because he describes the Santa Anita surface, and Zoe would know more about this than me, as being a very heavy kind of surface right now. A little deep, but mainly heavy as compared to Churchill Downs, which is a very light sort of surface. And he believes that the horse's that have been at santa anita it's almost going to be like a human training with ankle weights or something you take the ankle weights off or maybe running in army boots and now they're running in tennis shoes that he thinks they're going to be really have a spring in their step uh when they hit the churchill downs racing surface uh, they'll be
3: fit they will be fed for sure.
1: number 11 is disarm uh the story here is trainer steve Asmussen very unlucky not to win the derby last year he is to me, the best trainer in the sport who has never won the Kentucky Derby. He's 0 for 24. It's going to be 0 for 25 on on Saturday. Uh, you know, this horse snuck in. And he, he he handled this very well. He didn't have enough points. He ran him in the Lexington. He got third in the Lexington, which got him into the race. But, I mean, the Lexington is a, a C-caliber prep. Um, you know, it's not nearly... As strong as, as any of the other uh, preps, uh, the, the last you know the last ones the Arkansas Derby Bluegrass all those kind of races I I can't I know people say he's training well but you know horse it was a, a mediocre third in the Lexington I I, I can't see having any chance in the Kentucky Derby.
2: Uh, you know he's had his training uh, sort of interrupted this year it hasn't gone as smoothly as Asmussen would have liked he was behind schedule when he ran him. Uh, at oakland park in an allowance race on february the 19th which he really ran him in only because he thought he was a derby horse and in order to get points he had to run in the louisiana derby he felt and to make the louisiana derby he had to run in the allowance race first so he didn't think he was fit for that he didn't think he was completely fit for the louisiana derby and if he were to get the points to get in it would be a miracle well he did and he said he expected a huge step upward in the kentucky derby but when he ran in the lexington I didn't really see a huge step forward. Maybe he wasn't completely cranked up for that race, and yes, he was behind slow fractions. Uh, I think he's a nice horse. I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish fourth and be part of the Superfecta and show improvement at a mile and a quarter, but he's going to have to have so much improvement to, to actually win the Kentucky Derby, in my opinion, that it's it's hard. Looks to...
3: like a good doer. He He's a big-framed horse, or at least he looks like a big-framed horse. From the TV, I've seen of him. haven't actually seen him in in person, so maybe fitness is an issue. His work was good, but, I mean, I might look good going a half and 49 as well. So uh, I don't know about this, arm. He does have Rosario in his corner. He's got Asmussen in his corner, and he can't wait to win the Derby. That post position, two for 82. The last one winning from it was Winning Colors in 1988.
1: Number 12 is Jace's Road. Congratulations to our sponsor, West Point Thoroughbreds, for getting another horse into the Kentucky Derby. But um, I I find it impossible to think this horse will even finish in the top 10 in the field. Uh, He stalked that's very slow pace set by Kings Barnes in Louisiana Derby, and then from there just faded in the stretch to get beat six and a quarter lengths. Yeah, and I, I'd love to own him. He's made $238,000, and, uh, you know, he, he's he's a, a proven stakes horse. Uh, he won the Gunrunner stakes uh, and won that wire-to-wire, wire, which makes me think maybe he'll be part of the early pace. But, again, just to me this is one that's clearly not good enough.
3: I'm in agreement with you for Brad Cox. He is keeping someone else out though. And uh, good luck to West Point Thoroughbreds, because honestly, 19,671 foals of 2020, I believe it is. The fact that you're even in the Derby, you've already won as far as I'm concerned. You've got 20 horses from a a foal crop of over 19,000. Congrats to everyone who's even in the race. So I, I, I can't knock him for getting here. I really, really can't. It takes an awful lot to get even one horse to the races.
2: Look, when you go back and you watch this Louisiana Derby, he actually had a neck in front of Kings Barnes when they passed the wire for the first time. Uh, But because Kings Barnes had inside position on him, he used the rail around the first turn to get clear from Jace's Road. But if Jace's Road couldn't beat Kings Barnes to the lead in 49 and change in the Louisiana Derby, even though I think they're going to try to go with him early on Saturday, I just don't think he's fast enough. I don't. I I expect to see him maybe fourth or fifth in the early running, and then uh, and then back up. And like Bill said, uh, finish in the back half of the field.
1: Number thirteen is Sun Thunder. I'm a big Kenny McPeak fan. This wouldn't be the first time he shocked the world with a big long shot, but boy, blinkers uh, on. Uh, maybe that'll help because he needs a lot of help. Uh, you know, again, a horse with no early speed. Fourth beaten a long way in the Bluegrass. Fifth beaten a long way. In the louisiana derby i will say this much though for uh, kenny mcpeak he deserves credit because one of the stories lines this year was uh horses not getting in to the the derby field because didn't run enough and sun thunder didn't really do anything special all year but he ran in four derby preps and he just sort of nickled and dimed his way into the field so um and mcpeak will you know mcpeak is not afraid to run his horses but um as much respect as i have for kenny um, just like Jace's Road, uh, you know, so far as his ability, he so have the ability to beat these other uh, 19 horses. There's nothing in his past performances or his prior races that would suggest that he does.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, Jace's Road is trained by Brad Cox, who's had a fabulous year. Sun Thunder, I share your opinion about Kenny McPeak, but in the end, it's the horse. And I just don't think Sun Thunder's fast enough. He's going to have to improve too much to even be a part of the superfecta. Maybe if it was going to be a torrid early base in here, you could maybe make a case for him clunking up and being part of the superfecta. But I think Sun Thunder is going to be a you know, 50, 60 to one shot that's going to be in the back half of the field when it's all said and done.
3: Hopefully the blinkers on helps him. He looks like he's added a little bit of spark. His recent work in 47 and four was better than we've seen from Sun Thunder. 50 to one for a reason. Uh, that post position, five to 76, the last horse to win from there was Nyquist in 2016
1: number 14 is angel of empire from the brad cox barn uh to me on paper he looks like an obvious uh threat in here wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see him win uh again shows that brad cox pattern of just getting better every single race but i want to throw to randy because randy earlier i think you said of the cox horses you put him as the third best behind um uh verifying and uh hit show i was a little surprised to, to hear that so uh Obviously, you're not a huge fan of this horse. Why? I put him at second
2: best, uh, verifying, did. and then Angel of Empire, and then Hit Show. Uh, Brad actually said that he thought Hit Show and Angel of Empire were really comparable in terms of their of their of their chances to win. Uh, look, visually impressive uh, in the Arkansas Derby. I thought he was more visually impressive than Forte was winning the uh, the Florida Derby. I think a mile and a quarter is going to be right in his wheelhouse. Uh, I think he's got a chance to win. I wouldn't be surprised if he won. I think he's in as among the top five or six contenders in the race. I just, I happen to prefer verifying a little more just because of the way I think the Kentucky Derby is going to be run and the relatively, I want to say modest pace, but maybe an average pace scenario as opposed to a fast pace scenario. Uh, so while I do like verifying a little better than Angel of Empire, it doesn't mean that I don't like Angel of Empire, and don't think he uh, he has a chance. Zoe, uh,
3: I like him. I'll take uh, a good price on him with Flavian Pratt. His sire was fourth in the Kentucky Derby, and he had all kinds of issues leading up to the race, and still managed to be fourth. Interestingly enough, they worked this horse in blinkers in the morning to get him into the bridle, and his last work was terrific. He always works in blinkers, and he doesn't run in blinkers. Frank Cox simply saying he doesn't need them in the afternoon. He's a PA bred. You'll like that one, Randy. Looking to become the third PA bred to win the Derby since Little E.T. and Smarty Jones. So rooting for Angel of Empire and definitely using him on my ticket. I thought his Arkansas Derby was sensational and obviously Pratt thought the same.
2: The reason he works in blinkers and doesn't run in blinkers is his extreme laid-back personality. Uh, Cox said that in the Arkansas Derby paddock where horses can sometimes get a little discombobulated, because they go from the inside to the infield, and the infield can kind of make horses at, at, at Oakland with the fans right there just a little bit uh, out of sorts. He said Angel of Empire was practically asleep in the paddock at Oakland. He calls him bomb-proof. And he said if there's one big advantage that this horse has in Kentucky, with all the commotion on Kentucky Derby Day, it's that it's not going to bother Angel of Empire whatsoever. The, the blinkers just get him a little bit more keyed up uh For his uh, for his training, which Brad thinks mean? he needs.
1: Number fifteen, your three to one morning line favorite, Forte. Todd Pletcher, Irod Ortiz Jr. Hard to fault a horse that was a two year old champion and is two for two this year, winning the Fountain of Youth and the Florida Derby. But you know what? There's it, it's not just me. It doesn't seem like anybody likes this horse. I don't. You know, you you go online, you read various things, you look on Twitter. Nobody's picking him, and I, I'm going to do the same. I'm I'm going to throw him out and. um some of these things I'll repeat when we talk to Andy Byer later, but he's on the speed figures. He's really not a standout. He's in the same classes as, as six or seven other horses. And when he runs 100 in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and a two and a half on the thoroughgraph sheets that day, he should be running as a three-year-old now faster than that. You want to see horses at three are supposed to be faster than they were at two. He is not. You could say he's actually stepped down a little bit in, in the opposite direction. Got a 95 in the Florida Derby, five points less than his Breeders' Cup Juvenile. It was an odd race. I mean, you got to give him some credit for winning because at the uh, quarter pole it didn't look like he had a chance, and he showed a lot of class that day. Um, now um, I'm not throwing out a seven to five shot. Uh, Mike Potaglia has him at three to one. I think Randy, you made him seven to two. I think that's just about right. I could even see him maybe going up to four to one. Um, But, uh, you know, I I just think he's a good horse to take a stand against. I just I don't like the direction his career has gone this year, despite the two wins. And, uh, you know, as I said earlier, I'm looking for horses that I think are about to run the best races of their lives in the Kentucky Derby. And I don't think he's one of them.
3: Interesting. Um, I, I can't throw him out, but I think I'm going to throw him out. I mean, he's a two year old champ. He's a champ. The way he won last time was a champ. I just haven't seen that sparkle from him that I want to see over the Churchill down strip. Now, I've watched back his works. He's not a flashy workhorse by any means. But I think you just need a little bit extra to win this race. I can't say that he's going to finish last. He's going to be in the hunt and he'll be on my ticket somewhere. He just might not be on top.
2: I think he's a horse to take a stand against at three to one, at seven to two, whatever price he's going to be. If, if you're betting the race, I think you've got to try to beat Forte. Uh, he's the most consistent, he's the most dependable, reliable on paper. The two-year-old champ, the previous juvenile champ, Florida Derby winner, yada yada yada. Uh, but like Bill said, I don't think he's taken a step forward so far, at least in his three-year-old season, which I think is a is a mark against him. And even though he did have a bit of a wider trip in the Florida Derby, visually, I thought the Florida Derby was a regression from his race in Fountain of Youth. And I don't like to see horses coming into the Kentucky Derby off of what I consider to be a regressive performance. I've heard people say, uh, including people who I respect, uh, look, this horse just wins. He knows how to win. He saw Mage in front of him. He went to get it. He knows where the finish line is. He's a professional. He's a winner. Okay, the Florida Derby win was a combo platter. Yes, if you look at the fractional breakdown, Forte's last eighth of a mile was faster than his previous eighth of a mile. I'll give him that. But Mage also fell apart in front of him, so it, it was a bit of it was a bit of a of a, a what, what, what do you call it a. Uh, misleading, uh, barrage, what do you want to call it? It's, it, it wasn't quite as, uh, it didn't have as much to do with his uh, amazing determination as in my opinion, as some people, as some people like to say. an optical illusion. That's what I'm trying to say.
3: I'm going to have to run, I'm afraid. I'm going to finish my drink because I know you're going to talk an awful lot about Dharmasaragaki, but, <laughs> So cheers to Dunn Exactly. So be, be,
1: before we let you go, let's pin you down your official one, two, three picks. Oh gosh. Um
3: I like verifying. Um I like Angel of Empire. I like practical move. And I'm I'm giving you one more. I'm I'm throwing in the horse no one likes. You guys don't like confidence game. Purely off the works. As far as the Phillies are concerned, it's gonna be wet paint and South Lawn off that myectomy. I think she's brilliant coming in. I really, really like her. I've got to go and do some birthday celebrations with the Michelle Yu. So uh, I'm going to love you and leave you.
1: Dermas Oh, chill. Take a drink.
3: Happy time. <laughs> you to <rest laughs> your show, Randy. We'll see you next time.
1: All right. All right. See you, Zoe. Thank you. So Randy and I will carry on. Raise Kane. I don't think we need to spend much time on this horse. He looked terrific winning the Gotham, but it was a, a pace meltdown that set it up was not a, a very good field. And then he didn't show anything in the bluegrass. Um, another horse that um, you know, I have no interest in.
2: Yeah, I thought his race was a little better in the bluegrass than it looks on paper because he was uh, five wide around the second turn. But in this field, he's probably going to be really wide again. He's, and I kind of put him in the same boat as Sun Thunder, maybe a little bit better than Sun Thunder, but uh, I can't use him.
1: All right, now let's get to the horse that has been um, such a buzz horse ever since the UAE Derby derma sodagaki and uh look um i definitely respect everything the japanese horses have done i wouldn't be i'm not picking him but i wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he won um i i still i have to see a horse come out of the uae derby and do something and this could be the one before i'm ready to uh you know pick pick one of these horses they've been so dismal and you know look as good as he looked in the uae derby didn't look as good as Mendelssohn won by 18 and a half lengths and then finished dead last 20th in the Kentucky Derby. Um, I'm also interested in Randy. I, I want to get your opinion on this. I know you like him, but what mm-hmm. is his running style going to be? He, he went to the lead in the UAE Derby and one wire to wire. But if you look back at his, his prior races in Japan, he was sort of a mid pack horse. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe the, the, um, the, the change of jockeys to Lemaire, maybe he's just a more aggressive rider. I, I don't know anything about the Japanese jockey that, that rode him earlier, but um you know, I I will not pick him in my top three, but if he wins, I'll, I'll say tip my hat to the Japanese and say, "Damn, these guys are good."
2: Yeah, I mean, we all know. Uh, I think most everybody who's watching this podcast knows of how the Japanese have been faring internationally. The Breeders' Cup two years ago with uh, with one of those horses that looked like they had a, a Marsh Lorraine that looked like I mean, where did this horse come from? Uh, and yet, outruns uh, outruns our horses. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Dubai, Hong Kong, they've won the Cox Plate, they've won the Melbourne Cup. I mean, Japanese horses, especially over the last few years, are are just dominating worldwide, and even on dirt, whereas maybe it used to be mostly on grass. So the way Mandarin Hero ran in the Santa Anita Derby, a horse who's considered to be, uh, in Japan at least, to be somewhat inferior to Dermot sobagake just makes me even more confident in the voice in uh, in in uh, in the Japanese horse on Saturday. Now, and he, and he looks good here as well. Now the running style—it's interesting because from post seventeen, the way he ran in the UAE Derby, where he had the rail, incidentally, which was one of the reasons I think why Lemire used him so aggressively early. But since he ran clearly the best race of his life in the UAE Derby on the front end. I'm expecting Lemaire to be fairly aggressive leaving the starting game. Now, as aggressive as he was last year on Crown Pride, another Japanese source, OMG, I hope not, <laughs> because he went 21-3 and three, along with Mikhail Barzalona on, uh, on uh, uh, Summer is Tomorrow, whatever the horse's name was. Uh, they just totally made a mockery out of the early pace of last year's derby, the two foreign jockeys. Now, hopefully he learned a little bit from that, Christophe Lemaire, because he's a fantastic jockey. One of the leading jockeys in japan uh and he doesn't quite blast off quite as aggressively with derma he doesn't have to be in front he can sit second if he has to he can sit third if he has to uh or they may just uh, he may just be faster than the other horses early either way i think i think he uh to me in my eyes i'm trying not to overcomplicate this bill i think he's the fastest horse coming out of the fastest prep so uh despite the disadvantages i'm going to pick him to win one more thing the UAE Derby record doesn't really bother me that much. And let me tell you why. Because if you go back and you look at the UAE Derby year by year by year by year, most of the horses had no chance in the Kentucky Derby. I can only pick three that did it. Street Cry, who got sick, and or I think he bruised a foot or something like that. I don't know. But he missed the race. And I want to say it's 2001. Uh, Thundersnow, who turned into a bucking bronc at the beginning of the Kentucky Derby and completely lost all chance. And then there's Mendelssohn who we gave a 106 buyer speed figure to, I think Andy Byer is undoubtedly going to reference that when we talk to him a little bit bit later. Um, But Mendelssohn, the way the Derby developed, uh, had no chance. He had no chance. He was knocked around at the start. He was a sloppy track, a wet track. He got all kinds of gunk kicked in his face, which he had never experienced before because he went wire to wire in the UAE Derby. So that's three horses that had any kind of a chance in the Kentucky Derby, kind of out of UAE. And they, you know, for reasons, they weren't part of, the, part of the finish. So the 0 for 18, I think, should have an asterisk, and
1: I think it'll change after this year. Well, Zoe had to run, but before she left, her weekly installment, First Things First.
3: For this week's edition of First Things First, myself and Jeff Siegel hopped on a plane and headed out to Berkeley, California, for Gold Rush weekend. Where does the name Gold Rush Weekend come from?
0: With California being famous for the Gold Rush back in the days, there's a, it's a very historical state as much as anything else, and we wanted to try and celebrate that as well by uh, theming it as such and
2: uh, Leroff in the California Derby. one's getting into it late. Prince Abu Dhabi close to the line. Prince Abu Dhabi and Alex. Prince Abu Dhabi takes
3: down the California Derby, guys. And you have to be feeling on cloud nine. Let's start with you, Steve.
2: Oh, this is awesome. Best feeling I've ever had. You know, everything was going super expensive out there. And we just picked him. We saw that we liked him. Um, luckily, he's in our price range. And then we didn't know what we had on our hands until Now, I guess. I mean, he just keeps improving every time he gets better and better.
0: Yesterday's uh, renewal was as good as we've had, um, which went to Little Red Feather and uh, down south. We made a valiant attempt to keep it here with Sam Calvario. It was a hell of a finish and it was a hell of a race. Um, The turf track is in fantastic condition. Uh, The jocks all uh, enjoyed it and we were delighted with the whole day.
3: At the Great Race Place, doors open at 7.15 a.m. Friday and Saturday for wagering on Oaks and Derby. There is a 12.30 post Saturday for a Kentucky Derby watch party in the Chandelier Room. The package does include mint juleps. I like that. Or watch trackside for our Kentucky Derby trackside party. Don't forget your hat. There is a terrific hat contest. For more info, go to santaanita.com.
2: The TD Riders Room is brought to you by the KTA KTOB. And what a week it is to be a Kentucky bred here in the Bluegrass State. Leading Derby contenders bred in Kentucky, of course, 17 of the 20 are Kentucky breads, including the favorites Forte, Practical Move, and Tappet Trice. And leading Oaks contenders, also bred in Kentucky, 12 of the 14 entrants, including Wet Paint, Affirmative Lady, and Defining Purpose. Kentucky breads, breed them, raise them, race them. We all win. With some of the fullest fields in the country
0: and quality racing year round, there's never been a better time to reap the rewards of breeding and racing in Kentucky. Purse money in Kentucky is at an all-time high, as is average purse per race, outpacing California, Florida, and New York. Kentucky breeds, Breed them, raise them, race them. We all win.
2: The fastest horse of the week is brought to you, as always, by the fast stallions of the Windstar Farm. And this week, I think it's happened once before, it's actually the fastest horses of the week. Yes, we have two that tied with the top buyer speed figure of the week. And even more unusual is that both came from the same card. It was Laurel Park on Saturday on a muddy racetrack. We started off in race four where the Pennsylvania bred Nimitz class scored a very impressive two and three quarters length victory in the native Dancer stakes at a mile and an eighth. Nimitz class was the one to five favorite earned a buyer speed figure of 99. Later in the afternoon, because it was a wet day, the King Leatherberry Stakes was taken off of the turf and the winner of that five and a half furlong sprint in the muddy dirt was stage left who scores by two and a quarter lengths. He was the two to one second favorite in the King Leatherberry and stage left, also earned a buyer speed figure of 99. So Nimitz class and stage left, the co fastest horses of the week. Now for that fast sire and wind star, they don't come much faster than into mischief's fastest son, life is good he was of course a three-time grade one winner last year effortless winner of the woodward uncontested winner of the whitney dominant winner of the pegasus world cup over the previous year's horse of the year Knicks go also he won the one million dollar breeders cup dirt mile by five and three quarters lengths which was the largest margin of victory at the 21 breeders cup and with a 112 buyer speed figure he still rates as Into Mischief's fastest son on the numbers, earning nine triple-digit payouts. TD and rising star in his career debut, Life Is Good, stands at WinStar for a fee of one hundred thousand dollars. The Green Group has over 500 clients in the horse business, and there is a reason for this. They are an accounting and tax consulting advisory firm that specializes in the thoroughbred industry with proven strategies to save you money on taxes. You can learn more at www.greenco.com.
1: Now we welcome in the Green Group Guest of the Week, none other than the speed figure guru, the most respected handicapper perhaps in all of horse racing, Mr. Andy Beyer. With the Daily Racing Forum now with his speed figures and longtime racing columnist for the Washington Post, uh, Andy, thanks for joining us. I want to uh, touch first on Forte with you. Um, well,
4: before we touch any uh, any further, let's pronounce his name correctly. It's Fort. <laughs> it's Fort? It is Fort. Is the way uh, intelligent people pronounce. Now it. wait a
1: minute. I, <laughs> I am going to now ask Randy Moss that question. Is nobody works harder? I'm getting these names right. Is Andy right?
2: Well, look, Andy knows. Andy has forgotten more about the correct use of the English language than I than I know. And Andy has been beating the drum forever that the
4: correct pronunciation is fort.
2: It. Uh, it, deri-
4: it derives from French. It's not, Ita- you know, our usage of it has nothing to do with Italian music, which fort the word forte comes from. So I will. You may call him what you want he'll always be Fort to me.
2: But much as the actual correct pronunciation of Tappet Trice should be Tappet Trice, the owner of Tappet Trice and the owner of Forte say they want their horse's names pronounced Forte and Tappet Trice. So correct grammar
1: be what it is. <laughs> Andy, uh, the number 15 horse in the Kentucky Derby, that horse, (laughs) um, on on the buyer figures, he's not really faster than anybody else. Um, One pattern that I don't like about him is he actually ran a faster race at two in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile than he's running at three. Do you see him as a vulnerable favorite?
4: Very much. I don't like him. Uh, you know, I I don't like him because it, it, the the name issue grates on me every time I hear it. But he's also he is not you know that historically what we look for in the Kentucky Derbies is a horse on the upgrade coming into the Derby. He clearly doesn't fit that profile, and um, you know plus uh, yes, he's trained by Todd Pletcher, uh, but uh, as we know uh, Todd's uh, Fort is uh, not training uh, horses to win the Derby. Is is you know his record in this race is two for sixty-two. So I don't think you, you, you get any uh, you know any extra credit for uh, being in uh, in the Pletcher barn in this race. I I, I want no part of Fort. Uh, I I don't think he'll uh, hit the board.
2: Okay, so you've got a, you've got a uh, a very strong opinion about Fort. Uh, the second favorite also comes from the the Todd Fletcher barn tappet trice what are your
4: feelings about that I, one? I I think he is uh he is okay and certainly uh, uh, I I think better than the favorite I mean I thought his uh his race in the bluegrass, you know was was pretty good this is a horse who doesn't have speed and he was in a you know kind of a, a, a a relatively paceless race last time, and you know and and had to hit the gas early and uh, and still was able to to win and to outgame a good horse in verifying. so i I, I thought that was a uh, uh, a positive effort.
3: okay, well, nice to finally meet the great Andy Bayer. <laughs> Fabulous to see you. Um, I have a question on Confidence Game because he's jumped onto everybody's radar off a stellar work. He's been off for 10 weeks. He had a 94 buyer in the Rebel. If he can make the same kind of jump, surely he's in the hunt because Bill wasn't on tap at Trees at all about the same time that we all weren't on him when he won the Rebel stake. So do you think there's a chance he can make the same kind of jump forward and be in the hunt?
4: I can't predict that. I mean, but you could say of almost any horse in this race, gee, if he can jump up six or eight points, he could win the Derby. And, and, uh, you know, I didn't think the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the Oakland three-year-old population was, you know, was, was, uh, was that good this winter. So I, you know, I, uh, he has not really been on my radar, radar screen, although it might have been an oversight. So. Who do you like? Uh, I am looking for a history-making uh, Japanese victory on Saturday. Oh, uh, boy! Okay. To me, the 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 mo- even though this isn't a great Derby feel, it's not a great Derby. What makes it really interesting to me is the Japanese presence, uh, uh, and I've been looking a lot at this, and and uh, I think that. Japan is really on the brink of becoming the number one power in world horse racing, eclipsing even Great Britain and the United States. It's going to happen uh, at the present rate eventually. And, and, you know, the coming out party just might be Saturday.
1: Randy, um, excuse me, Andy, on Dermasodagaki, the one thing that most people are using as a knock against him is the absolutely dismal record of horses coming out of the UAE Derby into the Kentucky Derby. Uh, do you think that's a factor? Does that worry you?
4: No, I mean, the, if if you, if you want to look at history, uh, I mean, the Japanese always used to finish last in any race they they ran in the United States. That was a uh, you know an annual theme of the uh, uh, the old Washington D.C. International. They you know they you know th- th- they are uh you know their racing is just improving very dramatically they're they're winning major races a- around the world uh and uh, so i i don't think the you know the 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 history of the dubai race is relevant so
2: obviously handicapping has to evolve with the times we're talking about a japanese horse right now in the kentucky derby i first met you my first Kentucky Derby in 1980 in the Churchill Downs press box. You've handicapped every Kentucky Derby since then and before then. How has your handicapping the Derby specifically changed
4: over the last 40 years or so? Well, it probably hasn't changed enough, <laughs> um, um, you know, because I have. Have always been. I mean, through m- much of the Derby's history, I've been a believer in 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 the history that says you've got to have the uh, the necessary foundation of fitness uh, to you know to win the Derby. Uh, I mean, I believe in the curse of Apollo. <laughs> you know, you can't uh, you know you can't win the Derby without uh, your experience it too, and all of those old uh, uh, yardsticks have really been kind of eclipsed. I mean, I, I you know I throw out horses like justify you know in in a flash because they haven't done enough, and uh, so uh, that that that's been very difficult for me to, uh, to to reconcile that you just don't need that kind of experience to win. Uh, one consequence of that is. That horse, nobody's running that well in the Derby. I mean, this this Derby could be won with a speed figure of 99, but, you know, which uh, wouldn't be competitive in most Derbys historically. But these these horses are not seasoned enough. So uh, that, that you know that, that's that's my view of the history of the uh, of handicapping the Derby. I, I did pick a winner in this uh, Millennium, though, so I, I, I totally. <laughs>
3: So, Andy, which of the horses have you been most disappointed in, for one, after allotting a good buyer speed figure and hoping they're going to jump forward and most encouraged by moving forwards?
4: Um, Well, (laughs) the, uh, uh, you know, you mean in this year's in in this yes. year's crop? Well, the, yeah. you know the you know Randy is probably as well equipped to talk about this as as I. But the you know from the let's leaving aside buyer speed figures, from the time standpoint, you know the most interesting horse is Derma Sotagaki. Uh His you know his performance in Dubai. Uh, if I mean, if you just look at the final time compared to the last 15, uh, UAE derbies. He's so much faster than, than anybody else. And, and it's, it's, it wasn't just the, the you know, you know, if, you know, if you compare, you know, other, with uh, other races run on that day, it was still a terrific effort. So he, he is the horse. I'm not sure how much he has stepped up because I certainly don't have any, uh, uh, uh you know any figures from japan but uh uh he, he's the horse from the uh from the figure standpoint uh, or the time standpoint that really interests
1: me um i'll throw this question randy you can answer this as well but getting back to derma Sadagaki, um as was there a temptation to try to make a figure on him do you have a ballpark guess off that performance um Oh.
4: Let, let me answer that. Yeah, uh, four yeah. years ago we did uh, in, in 2018 we, we did that when when Mendelson uh, uh, had had won the UAE Derby and uh, we we made a figure is uh, that to the best of our ability and we we're confident. I was confident enough in it that we published it, and you know after mendelson lost by 70 lengths uh, you know i felt maybe we stuck stuck our neck out improperly here uh so we will just talk in terms of uh uh you know of, of the japanese horse we're running fast we're not going to really give up a specific number although i think i heard you uh randy uh uh M- mentioning a number or two that you, uh, <laughs> you thought of.
2: <laughs> very, very, very unofficially ballpark. <laughs> you know uh, what? What we know is that you can compare the UAE Derby time to the Dubai World Cup time on the same card, right? One's a mile and three sixteenths. One's a mile and a quarter. Neither have a run up as they don't in other countries. So there's no run up issues involved with the final time and historically over the last 15 or 20 years the dubai world cup has been 15 to 20 buyer points faster than the uae derby right this year the uae derby was five buyer points faster than the dubai world cup now it's not a especially strong dubai world cup field i don't think in terms of the numbers uh but i think it's probably pretty safe to say that whatever estimate you put out there, if we were doing buyer speed figures for Dubai, Dermasodagaki would have solidly the fastest figure of any of the American Derby prep forces. Correct, Andy? You
4: agree with that? Uh, yes. Okay, uh, and but I, you know, I was swayed very as, as much, uh, you know, just by the whole Japanese scenario. As by the the time issue. In fact, I was going to pick uh, Continuar uh, as my fifty to one bomber, uh, just because uh, you know he was trained by the top Japanese trainer, and it was really going to be under the radar. But he hasn't. He, he evidently is not trained that well since he's uh, been at Churchill. But uh, you know, uh, you know. Ne- nevertheless, that that to me is the. The, the theme of the, race, of, the, of the race.
3: All right. Well, I, I was going to play the Dharma Sodagaki drinking game with Randy later, wondering how many times he's mentioned. You've already started me off. <laughs> I didn't realize that <laughs> was on Dharma Satagaki, so cheers to that. Um, I want to ask you about the Phillies and the Oaks. Who are you looking forward to? In the Kentucky Oaks, because you I was so
4: depressed looking at the figures in the Oaks <laughs> that I just haven't even focused on it yet. Really? I mean, the the idea that nobody in that field has run a figure over ninety is just embarrassing. I mean, this is this is like the, the I've I've never seen a race this famous look so bad uh, from the speed figure standpoint.
1: Andy, I very much want to hear your opinion on the computer players. And how how much it has changed the game that we're all playing, and how much of a well I think a big disadvantage the normal players are at. I don't know if you agree, but um, you know this is something in in that we've seen come around only in the last ten years or so, and it's absolutely turned the world of wagering on horses upside down, and I think very much for the worse for the sport.
4: It it well it's a huge disadvantage, but my for for my. Perspective, the worst aspect of it, uh, was that racetracks to, uh, cater to the, uh, to the syndicates basically killed the traditional exotic wagers, particularly the pick six and, and substituted the, you know, the, the rainbow six or what, whatever a track wanted to call it, which was and created a set of rules that basically the average player could never win. Uh, you know, I, I was on a, a, a seminar at Gulfstream some years ago, and Ron Nicoletta, as we came to the Rainbow Six, said, well, Andy, t- tell us about your, your, your strategy for, for playing the Rainbow Six. And I told the audience, I said, I have a piece of advice, never ever consider playing this bet. It is the worst sucker bet ever devised. You cannot win. I think that was my last appearance on a (laughs) (laughs) golf But The fact is that with the small betting unit, uh, the, 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 the syndicates can cover so many more combinations that any normal player could that you know that the the average player is never going to uh you know f- you know get into the cracks but <laughs> or uh you know just get into a, a little opening that the that the computer guys have left out you can't have the lone ticket and that and that's the only occasion uh you know where uh, you know where it makes sense over time to play that bet if you are if you're going for the big jackpot so I hate it. <laughs> uh, the other the the other things they do, well, they're just, you know, they're incredibly smart. Uh, I you know I think the idea that the the race tracks kind of own part of their business is an incredible conflict of interest. Uh, you know that works against the fans as well. But uh, you know I could put up with a lot of things, but you know, the destruction of the traditional pick six has really spoiled the game for me.
1: Well, let me follow up with that. Is there right now, it's uh, people believe that uh, the computer guys account for about 33% of the handle to be $4 billion in 2022. Um, There doesn't seem to be any easy answer. Um, I'd love to see these guys, you know, kicked out, kicked out or, 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 or put something in place where they have to bet five minutes to post, which would take away their advantages or whatnot. But then the handle would be decimated. Um, and I, I think it also you can look at the numbers and say this is showing that they've driven a lot of people out of the game because all their betting is not accounting for a larger overall handle. Um, is there a solution to this? What, how should racing tackle this problem?
4: You know, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, and we, we know it's it's hard to tell whether the the, the decline in, in play by the, you know, the great mass of force players is just due to the competition from the syndicates uh, or it's, you know, just because of a lot of in, inherent issues in the game. It's probably a mixture of both, but the, uh, I mean, the, you know, the computer guys have, you know, figured out a way to play the game that is in, in, incredibly smart, you know, and I, you know, I've, On trips overseas, I met a couple big players using this methodology in in other countries, and uh, it was it was uh, it was stunning what they're doing. Uh, uh, But uh, uh, you know, they obviously have a lot of advantages that aren't open to to anybody else, and that. You know, I mean that 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 should make the industry feel a little uneasy.
1: Well, great insights from Andy Beyer, who doesn't like Fort <laughs> thank in <you>. the Kentucky <laughs> Derby, and he's very insistent that it is Fort, not Forte. So, Andy, thanks for the uh, lesson on the proper pronunciation, and thanks as always for your insights. Uh, you never disappoint. You're you're not like great handicapper, you're very entertaining. We thank you for being our guest this week on the TDN Writers' podcast
2: as this week's guest of the week, Andy Byer will receive a free one-hour tax consultation from The Green Group. You can learn more about The Green Group and what they can do for your taxes at www.greenco.com.
0: Are you paying too much in taxes? The Green Group can help. There's a reason the most successful owners, breeders, and horsemen select The Green Group as their tax advisors. They save you money and share successful strategies. Over the past 40 years, the Green Group founder, Len Green, has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport. Like Eclipse Award-winning champions Jaywalk and Wonder Wheel. His DJ stable competes at the highest level and has received the game's most prestigious honors. Len Green's in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge, combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies, has produced positive results for his clientele and has made The Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the thoroughbred business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732-634-5100 or visit our website at www.greenco.com. The Green Group, proven strategies to save you taxes.
4: The PA Horse Breeders Association presents the Pennsylvania Stallion Series. Six races for PA Sire, PA bred two-year-olds at parks. Two $100,000 contests at five and a half furlongs. On August 21st, PA Day at the races. September 23rd, PA Derby Day has two races at six and a half furlongs. Both with a $150,000 purse. And in December, two races going long, each worth $200,000. For more, go to pabred.com
2: the GD and Rider's room is also brought to you by the pennsylvania horse breeders association the 2022 iroquois award champion finalists are out and leading the way in nominations Caravel who's up for champion older female female sprinter turf sprinter and horse of the year who will take home the prizes may 12th at the inn at Hall in chadsford pennsylvania you can check out the complete list at pabread.com and we have one good idea of what Pennsylvania bred Colt will be on the list next year. Of course, it's Angel of Empire, one of the top choices for the Kentucky Derby for Brad Cox, the PA bred, bred and raised by Forgotten Land Investment and Black Diamond Equine.
1: Well, it's finished off the last three horses, uh, excluding the also eligibles in the Kentucky Derby. And th- these will be three of the longest prices on the board. Number 18 is Rocket Can. Uh, obviously, a lot of respect for Bill Mott. But uh, you know, this is a horse that I thought ran really well to win the Holy Bull, was had a wide trip, ran pretty well in the Fountain of Youth, even though he was beaten by Forte. But he was the favorite in the Arkansas Derby and and he just yeah he just didn't really have it. Ran kind of evenly. Blinkers are on for him. Maybe that'll help him a little bit, but um uh not a horse that I'm no and the mind.
2: holy bull he ran an 82 buyer speed figure, right? He was wide on both turns. You can give him extra credit if you want like I like to do in my handicapping when that happens, and bump him up to maybe an 88 or an 89. Then he came back and won the or, uh, ran second to Forte in the fountain of youth. Got a 91, a uh, little bit of a wide trip again last time in the Arkansas Derby. Got an 86. Those aren't good enough. It's just not good enough. Those aren't uh, to even factor in the Kentucky Derby. Mod is putting the blinkers on in an attempt to, you know, maybe get a little bit of improvement out of him on Saturday. But uh, he's a horse, I think, is uh, up against him.
1: Number 19 is Lord Miles. I mean, he really improved in the Wood Memorial running a 93 buyer after running a 79 in the Tampa Bay Derby. I, I don't see how anybody came up with him that day at 59 to 1. Um, you know, we sound like a broken record, but the Wood Memorial is a race that is is not producing anything when it comes to the Kentucky Derby. And this was a, most people believe, myself included, this was a particularly weak uh, running of it uh, when you have a 59 to 1 shot winning that pretty much tells you something. Um, Safi Joseph, boy, he knows how to get to the winner's circle, but uh, this would be uh, uh, nearly a miracle. If were
2: yeah, I mean, it, look, he beat Hit Show by a nose. The way the race was run, the ground that Hit Show lost uh, on the first turn uh, significantly more than the ground Lord Miles lost. So you can definitely, I think, uh, assume that Hit Show was probably the better horse of the two in that race, uh, and it wasn't a strong race to begin with. So. Uh, now I don't
1: like over Miles either. Contiener is the number twenty horse, and it rounds out the main body of the race. It's funny; everybody loves—not everybody—but so many people are just so high on Dermasodagaki. This is the other Japanese horse that nobody seems to like, but I couldn't understand why. First of all, he got beat ten lengths by Dermasodagaki in the UAE Derby. Uh, he did back in November um, lose to him only by a nose in a in a race in Japan. I. I guess it's this, Randy, the November 26 race, the Catalea Stakes that he won that gave him the automatic entry into the Derby. I have to question that. You know, um, you know, why is that a race that gets you into the Kentucky Derby? I think you could find a better race in Japan. But uh, fifth beaten three in the Saudi Derby, third beaten ten in the UAE Derby. People say he's not training well. Now, the one thing he does have going for him is the trainer, Yoshida Yahagi, and he is merely two for two in his career in the, in the U.S. And they're both Breeders' Cup wins. He is the man behind the, the wins by Loves Only You and uh, Marsh Lorraine in the 2021 uh, Breeders' Cup, uh, you know, um, pulled off what was a, a minor miracle there. Uh, so I, I think you have to respect the trainer, but the trainer has to have the horse as well.
2: You no, know, look, Continuar, everything you say about Derma Sodagake and how Japanese horses have been dominating around the world, but also apply to Continuar. Uh, you see so many of these races, you know, in uh, Dubai, for example, where the Japanese horses run one, two, three, four, like they did in the UAE Derby this past year. Uh, but Continuar worked in company with Derma Sotigake, uh worked before last and derma sodagake just absolutely left him for dead Continuar did not look good at all as a matter of fact he looked like a horse who would be more likely to finish last than finish first he looked that bad in the workout uh but like you point out i mean this trainer clearly knows what he's doing uh i know someone who regularly bets japanese races in the early morning hours real degenerate who says that this guy is like an absolute uh magician with horses so there is that
1: but he's going to have to
2: be a magician i think to uh, to get continue our especially from post 20 uh into the winner's circle given the way he worked the other day
1: all right randy zoe gave us her top three my official top three picks will be tepid trice angel of empire and uh skinner Give me your one two three.
2: Uh, mine, my top three would be uh, would be uh Verifying, and Trice.
1: All right, some uh, some parallels there between my picks as well. All right, so let's go uh, quick look at the Kentucky Oaks on Friday, and I totally agree with Andy Byer. This is like the slowest bunch of good three year olds or grade one level Kentucky Oaks three year olds that uh, you know you can't can't even almost imagine they're as slow as they are. The top number in the race is Botanicals 91. That was on a synthetic surface. The top dirt number is Wet Paints 89. So, um, you know, and this is a division that that just kept uh, shooting itself in the foot all throughout the preps. I mean, Wonder Wheel was the two-year-old champion. Uh, she hasn't been any good this year. Uh, Hoosier Philly was, was a horse that got tons of hype. She doesn't even make it into the race. Um, remember Steak when we were all thinking about how good she might be matter of fact i think those are my top three in order in my first kentucky oaks top 10 for the thoroughbred daily news and look where they are now only wonder Wheel even made the race and she's coming in off a real dull effort in the ashland i'll pick botanical um i'm not real worried about you know she's never run on the dirt but she's been really good on the synthetic at turfway park again not running against probably the very best of the division but but you know visually she's been very impressive I said earlier she's got that top buyer number i i think she's going to get to the lead in here and uh she'll get pressed by flying connection but i think she might get a good trip and um for what it's worth um again i gave you those figures from the thoroughgraph sheets on the synthetic sires medallia doro is uh her sire medallia doro is win 14% on the synthetic surface And 18% on the dirt, so be that as it may or take it for what it's worth, you would think that she's going to be just fine on the dirt. So um, she's my pick in there, but uh, this isn't a race where – I I don't know, Randy, maybe you disagree. I I just don't really like anybody.
2: Look, I've struggled with this race as well, and I really struggle with Botanical because I I came in here prepared – uh, to really like her in the Kentucky Oaks because I did think she was so visually impressive. I wanted to see you know, not that I not that I put that much stock in workouts, but I wanted to see her train on the dirt at Churchill Downs to see how she looked and also ask people who I think are better at this than me what they thought about her workouts on dirt here at Churchill Downs and she had a workout in company. Uh, with her stablemate, Flashy Jim, who she defeated in the Bourbonette. Flashy Jim was on the inside, Botanical was on the outside, which is a key right there to tell you which one Cox liked better. He liked Botanical better of the two in that workout. And two people that I talked to or one that I read, uh, Michael Wells, who I respect tremendously, really thought the workout was good. And two people whose opinions I really respect said they thought that she looked terrible, that that she didn't look like she was striding out at all over the dirt so I don't know what to think uh I I'm gonna I guess I came here prepared to pick her but now I guess I'm just going to go more conventional uh wet paint has been an overachiever all year long for Brad Cox I mean she came in to the Cox barn at Oakland Park off of back-to-back buyer speed figures at Indiana and Turfway of 67 and 69. she wasn't even on the radar in the Cox barn is being one of their best three-year-old fillies. And then lo and behold, she goes three for three. Flabby and Pratt loves her. Fast track, she can run on a wet track and it might rain on Friday. That's in the forecast right now at Churchill Downs. So I think wet paint, she's uh, gonna get some pace to run at between Botanical and Flying Connection. So uh, I think wet paint, it's very, you know I might, I'm not giving you anything that's gonna pay much, but I like the wet paint Lawn Exacta.
1: The TDN Writer's Room is brought to you by XBTV. The XBTV Workout of the Week is Confidence Game. Breezed five furlongs in 59 on Saturday at Churchill Downs for trainer Keith Bizarro. It looked as good as a horse can look. The work was the fastest of 54 five-furlong works at Churchill on the day. Bizarro joked back to the barn that he'd have to fire jockey James Graham for going so fast. We'll be right back after this message. All the thrills.
0: Of the bills. Experience the power of the partnership. Change your life, make new friends, and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing. West Point Thoroughbreds, the gold standard in racing partnerships. Visit westpointtb.com.
1: The TDN Riders Room is brought to you by West Point Thoroughbreds. Joining a West Point Thoroughbreds partnership vault you into the world of instant camaraderie among people surrounding high-class horses and stakes action for a fraction of the cost of trying to do it on your own. West Point partners are back at the Kentucky Derby for the seventh time this year with Jace's Road. Looks to join 2017 hero Always Dreaming, bringing home the roses for the partnership. Florent Giroux is aboard for Jace's Road winning the gun stakes at the fairgrounds gets the mount again on May 6th. Jace's Road is trained by Brad Cox and owned in partnership with the Albaugh family statements. You can learn more about West Point Thoroughbreds by going to westpointtb.com. Well, this week's Remy cartoon is in. It'll appear in Friday's edition of the Thoroughbred Daily News as it does each week. And just think, if you're a closer in the Derby, how many goggles does a jockey need? And when is enough enough? He kind of tackles subject so uh, uh another cute cartoon from revving the lock. well i want to thank everybody for joining us this has been a very special edition of the tdn writers room hopefully randy zoe and myself gave you some insights into the kentucky Derby to help you pick a winner on saturday and cash the tickets so i want to thank randy boss and zoe cabman i also want to thank uh our green group guests of the week mr andy byer our associate producer katie petroniak our editors anthony Larocca, Leah Larocca, rocca and nathan wilkinson Enjoy the derby, everybody. We'll see you next week.